Hey, Peter. Hey, you're back. How you yeah, doing? Yeah, I'm kind of back. And I, you know, I was in a cabin in the woods of northern Minnesota by myself with my family. Yeah. But no one else for like two weeks. Adam, let me remind you how this works. We're, this is just the intro, okay? No, yeah, but... I'm Peter Martin. I'm Adam Manis. <laughs> and this is the You'll Hear It. Oh, Adam. Hey, this is the You'll Hear It podcast. Just to remind you, I know you've been gone. Which is... Yes, explain. That's right. Speaking of explaining things, let me explain to you how this show works, buddy. We don't just is start working, out and really? get... <laughs> we don't just start out and get right into it. We, we, you know, we do a pithy yet witty intro. Or I was trying to set the scene, man. I was trying to set the scene. <laughs> well, no, that's cool. How you doing? I'm I'm okay, man. I, I've caught the I've caught the big the big COVID. I've got I was in a cabin in the middle of nowhere, and somehow <laughs> my wife and I got COVID. Isn't you got the Rona. You got the Rona. Like I was like thinking about it. I was like, well, we stopped for breakfast at a restaurant like right. on the way up. Other than that, we weren't around folks. Like we were literally in the boundary waters. There's nobody up there. Right. It was we us in a cabin, and you know this is our first time getting it too. We've made it the whole way. Right. Somehow. Uh, finally brought it back so we are uh recording over zoom so everybody knows that's <laughs> right that's otherwise our, i would be dropping out impeccable timing is, is might be off a little bit maybe this will improve our timing well we've done this before we've we've, we've done, done this, this a before. lot actually yeah. yeah we've done it uh i'm very proud of the many ways we've done it we've done transatlantic we've done transpacific we've done it right across yeah. from each other way too close we've done it right across yeah. from each other with a huge piece of plexiglass between us apparently all for naught but um no, I think it was good, but um, I'm glad, actually, uh, just so everybody knows, you are, in fact, doing um, very well or fairly well, fairly well, as you described it, so no one needs to... Yeah, I mean, to, no, you know. honestly, we, we thought it was a mild cold. Like, I yeah. took a test this morning just out of just a precaution because yeah. it's, you know, it's, it was a stuffy nose and a little bit of a sore throat, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and we can talk... We're all good here. We're all good. Yeah, and I mean, just a quick aside, um, we could think about... I'm always thinking about, like, how does this relate to how we can play a solo so like you said you've made it this long without catching it it's kind of like you play a Brings solo it back to jazz piano all the time <laughs> well that's what our listeners are here for they're not here for medical advice and by law we're not allowed to dispose of any so there's that but no but if you think about like you're soloing you ever had that situation where you solo and it's going so well you're in that flow yeah. state you know people are digging it and whatever and it feels like you're always going to be there and then something happens and for me, this is usually like stemming from a sense of haughtiness on my part or, or over-accomplishment where I start feeling like imposter syndrome, some, something that just throws me off of my game and then it kind of falls apart. So that, that's what this kind of reminds me of. It's like you're, you're going for a long time, you know, kind of in the zone, avoiding something bad. And then what do you do when something bad does happen? And I think within soloing, that's always a possibility, of course. Totally. So it's kind of like, totally. you know, what, what do we do? First of all, most people don't notice in this solo. That's one thing, just like, you know, you didn't notice that you were sick even. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's, it, it is totally unexpected. And, you know, but, you know, we're just, just plugging away here, plugging away. So, but I'm excited to get back to the podcast, man. I'm I know. I talking to you. Miss uh, listening to music. Yes, I've been really uh, zoned out in a very uh, peaceful, meditative state for the last ten days, and I'm ready to get back into the fray. Yes, feeling really 
fresh, feeling ready to go. Well, so that's today we have. Uh, this is your idea. This is a little uh, little playlist we got going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we're always talking uh, ourselves, and certainly we've shared on the pod before uh, different music we recommend for for often tactical reasons, but. You know, I, I think you and I really share, uh, along with many, if not most of our listeners, just this very, you know, um, authentic and innate love of certain tracks, certain albums, certain sounds, not even about bebop or jazz or, or whatever, just music in a way that, that is so inspirational and can continue. I, I'm always amazed by how much a single track or one live performance or a whole album or a piece of music can inspire me over and over again. And I'm not talking about the kind of inspiration to go practice or to learn something specific. Yeah, sometimes. But I'm just like talking about the humanity side of it. Just it just to make me feel like everything is going to be not only okay, but as I'm listening to this, the world, everything is in order. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when you're when when you're in a place and maybe you're like that when you're up in the cabin with your family and stuff, up in that virus filled cabin apparently but you know it's like you're you're (laughs) you're sitting there looking at a view or looking into you know your daughter's eyes or whatever and you're just like everything is 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 right in the world and i think the power of music that's what it's really about that's what we're all you know striving for to have the hope that we could give just a little bit of that to somebody or somebody's we're doing our job if we do that you know what i mean even if we screw up the d7 sharp nine flat 13 um yeah yeah and so I think that these are all tracks that, um, and what are we going to do? Three each? I think we saw, we said we thought yeah, we could finish three. Yeah, great, and, yeah, and these are things that are there's there's no agenda behind it, and it's not like, well, how come you didn't do this? No, no, no. This was just really off the top of our heads, and I think for today, things that came to us, and and these these this is three for me out of hundreds, if not thousands, I I could have done. But the idea is that they every time I hear them, I get inspired. It puts a smile on my face and warmth in, in my heart. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's get right to it. So our first track is one of your calls, uh, Peter. Tell us a little bit about this Ken and Garrett track uh, from the iconic album. I think we could say iconic at this point. Well, it's iconic uh, on this podcast for sure, because I think it's one of the yeah, ones absolutely. I've lifted up the most uh, songbook by Kenny Garrett. But this is a composition of Kenny Kirkland. And I've been deep, as you know, Adam, uh, in Kenny Kirkland land this week because I'm prepping to record a Kenny Kirkland video this week. Um, and so I've been deep in Kenny Kirkland land my whole life though. And I think that this track, and really every time I hear Kenny Kirkland, the inspiration is, it goes beyond just the incredible music. And this is his composition. I think it's just a beautiful composition. I think it represents him as a person and as a musician, just with his touch at the instrument from the very first note, um, in a way that's just very inspired, but also because I had the chance to meet Kenny Kirkland when I was 14 years old right here but blocks from where I sit now uh, and he was so kind and, and just loving and, and generous with me that just that in itself would have been inspiring but to all, I always associate Kenny Kirkland the human with the with the musician because of that and it, it was just an honor that I was able to meet him and get to hang out with him a little bit and uh, so anyway this is before it's time time to say goodbye beautiful track Sorry, was that me? There we go. Mm-hmm. 
it's a very simple melody, very mournful, and um, you know, one might say, what's so inspiring about something with a title like that, and it's in a minor key, um, but. As you get into the track, and we're unfortunately not going to have time to listen to any of these complete tracks, which is not doing them justice, of course. But this has a very inspired um, bend to it. And I mean, you know, what Jeff Watts, those little, I mean, there's a lot of humanity in the way that they're playing this. You know, just the the, the little bit of looseness back and forth. Like, you could play something like this straight and it would just be like, okay. But to be able to infuse this with the feeling that they do and those, those symbol abstractions and stuff, it's just... I, I get I get I get uh, goosebumps every time I hear this, Adam. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's also it's cold in the studio. There's, so there's that too. <laughs> it's such a gorgeous track, and uh, I'm so glad you picked it to to kick things off. Yeah, we're gonna take it up a little bit here with my first pick. So okay. when I saw the title, uh, tracks that inspire us are are Peter and Adam's uh, most inspired tracks. I immediately thought of like 18 different Oscar Peterson tracks <laughs> that. They, they pick me up in the morning, man. You yeah. know, like it's so swinging and so fun uh, yes. that I, I love pretty much all of it. But this one, especially, this is from uh, Stan Getz and Oscar Peterson record. You know that record? Yes. And uh, it's an old tune by love Vincent it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> this is a tune by Vincent Yaumans <laughs> uh, called I Want to Be Happy uh, from a. Wait, say that again. Music. How did you say that? I want to be happy. <laughs> that was awkward AF, the way you said it. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, this is uh, Stan Getz on tenor saxophone, Oscar Peterson on piano, Ray Brown on bass, and Herbie Ellis on guitar. And this is a toe tapper. <laughs> Gets coming coming straight out of mm. Lester Youngtown. There, he fits yeah. in so perfectly with that trio. Herbie Ellis is just oh. so grooving. You, you're not missing yeah, the drums very much might at be all in. in that scenario. And that, yeah, it is something I'm interested. In. But the, I, th- I love the sound of this record. It's very dry, and you don't, you know, you get that that big beautiful reverb on the stand Gets with Giorgio Giberto and all mm. his bossa nova stuff. But this is so much of a different vibe, and especially with Oscar's trio of this era, I, it doesn't get much better to me. 
Fantastic stuff. And you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that about the sound of this record. The same thing for the, the, the Kenny Kirkland tree. Well, it's Kenny Garrett who came in. We just heard the tree at the beginning. Uh, but the sound on that record, I mean, that's such an important part of inspired tracks to me. Uh, sue me. I'm shallow in that way, I guess. But I, I love a great sounding recording. Like that's that's the missing, not the missing, that's the part that has to be there. And if that's missing, I find it hard to, I mean, of course, if the if the sound isn't great on a recording, if it's not mixed well and mastered, and the performance is just incredible, you can still get a glimpse of that. But it's not the same as when you have everything lined up together. Yeah, our next uh, our next selection here, man. This is someone that doesn't get enough love on our podcast, Peter. And you yes. know, we we're we're all about the love. We're all about doling it out. This is one of my favorite artists of all time, and I know you're heavily influenced, especially by this record. Um, and this track. Yes. But uh, it's it's a, a go-to for me. Whenever I'm looking for, like whenever I feel too cute, you know, whenever <laughs> I feel like I'm everything's a little too tight. Yes. And there needs to be a little more earth in my cereal. Yeah. I, I'll play this album. It's still hard to fathom that Ornette Coleman's The Shape of Jazz to Come was released in 1959. I know. Like it That was a good so year. Much. It was a good year for jazz. It was a great year, but doesn't it feel like it should be 1964 or 5 or somewhere yeah. in there? Like it, it feels years ahead of its time uh, in the canon of things. And I mean, so prescient it. to be able to name. I mean, it's cocky and prescient. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> and spot it's on so to cocky. be able to name your record that. <laughs> I know. So this is Ornette Coleman on the alto saxophone, Don Cherry on the cornet. Charlie Hayden on the bass and Billy Higgins on the drums. This is Lonely Woman from The Shape of Jazz to Come. If you haven't spent a good amount of time with this, there's a pretty good, cheaper vinyl pressing that you can get available new if you have a turntable, and it just sounds great. It's a great way to start your morning, kick off your day with a little little this uh, sound. So here's Lonely Woman from The Shape of Jazz to Come. Ornette Coleman. Thank you. 
same year as Night of Blue, of course, and it's, you know, John Coltrane is still doing very technical thing over on on his front, and both of those great artists, Miles Davis and, and Coltrane, are going to switch to more of this sound, yeah. but in a few years. You know, what almost made this list for me, Peter, was McCoy Tyner's 1968, Time for Tyner, but I realized... Mm-hmm. It's so heavily influenced by Lonely Woman. Like that sound is very, very similar with that the bass figure with the with the double stops and the yeah. bass, the open string. And, you know what I mean? Uh, that African Village, that opening track. Uh, it just can't be understated how influential this record is and and has been. Yeah, and you know, I was just thinking about this, um, like just from the beginning, just like the soul of yeah. of the music and the country. And just all, you know, just everything, you can hear it. And, and this is West Coast. They record this in L.A. Like, they were West yeah. Coasters, and they were... Um, There's nothing you know, slick about it at all. No, no, no. And But it was almost like they were they started to drive the, the um, y- you know, the narrative of the music. And like what you're talking about, some of the East Coast folks, uh, you know, picking up on the sound later. Like, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's almost like you hear... And with like the trumpet and the sax, like Don Cherry and Ornette Coleman, and I'm listening on headphones now, panned so heavy left and right. And like when yeah. they come in with that line, like it's almost like you're hearing this thing from California sweeping across. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm reading too much in, but I get, I'm getting very cinematic. I'm feeling very cinematic, Adam. This is a very it, it can be a very very inspirational record, and it's been it's been like I, I'm I'm so glad I chose it. So it's no, it was great. It was a brilliant call because now that I think about it, it has been such an inspiration for so many other artists. So. Yeah, truly inspired. Well, on that note, let's 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 uh, let's let's take a little a little word from our sponsor. What do you think? Look, I got a little choked up there. How about a word from our sponsor? Yeah, and we're back. What's up next, Peter? What do we got? Okay, so next up, we're going to jump over to the YouTubes, and uh, only because... YouTubes? What is it? YouTubes or YouTubes? <laughs> YouTubes. You, in Spain, it's YouTubes. Um, but this is uh, Bobby McFerrin and Chick Corea, um hey. doing Spain live, and there's a number of, of really great recordings of this. There's some earlier ones. I heard them do this live several times. Uh, over the years um, as well. And just Chikoria, just hearing his name and thinking about the impact that he's had on this music, uh, that just thinking about his smile inspires me. Thinking about all the great recordings, just the times hearing him live, the kind words that he said. I mean, he's just like inspiration in, embodied. And Bobby McFerrin very much the same way as his, as his own performer. But when they came together, like to me, it was so inspired because it was like somehow... The sum of the parts was greater than the whole, which is very rare when you get two giants, like kind of all stars, especially in a duo situation. Um, so cool. You know, it, it has to be right. But I mean, I think this was a very thing. It's talked about, but it, it's, it's I don't know that it's talked about enough. These these recording. I mean, I mean, these performances, because there's so many and they stayed at such a high level. It's almost kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's easy to take for granted. And by the way, our listeners should know that uh, we'll have here in the show notes in the description a link to a Spotify playlist and a link to this YouTube video of Chick and Bobby. Uh, So you can check that out in your description or your show notes on your app. Absolutely. And this is going to be a little bit of a warm up kind of getting into this because it's from a live. We'll have a link to this live recording. Wait, Um, a a live video with Bobby McFerrin where there's a bit of a warm up getting into it? (laughs) And Chick Corea. (laughs) Ah. 
I mean, just perfect vocal and piano technique at the same time. You're killing me, guys. You're killing me. This is live at uh, Vienne, France, 2012. That's the mic, mic technique, you know. Freedom on this. for everyone check out this video we're gonna link to it um the 
the close-up on Chick Corea's hands and on Bobby. I mean, it's 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 really stunning. I get so inspired when I hear this and see it. You know, this is a real. Uh, you can just listen to it, or you can watch it too. And also, What's kind of amazing about both of these artists, and it's so cool that they did this stuff together because they're really cut from the same cloth in that. Mm-hmm. They're so technically brilliant, both yeah. of them. They're so at the highest level of their yeah. instrument. And you don't see it. Like, you just don't hear it in there. They use it for expressive purposes yeah. almost exclusively. And it's that's the beautiful thing. Like, like I, I almost said in the beginning when Bobby McFerrin is holding these big, beautiful, you know, uh, falsetto notes, almost mixed voice notes, I was like, you know how hard it is to do? Like, how much oh. breath control and support it takes to do that? But it... it it's not even the like he doesn't use it like that it's not meant to be impressive it's not meant to be excessive it's only there to support this beautiful musical idea it's it's truly inspirational man fits yeah. the theme of the show just perfect Pete. <laughs> well that's why we call it the most inspired track yeah and then i mean they're both just the epitome of making something as you say that's very difficult look so easy effortless, effortless. Talk about effortless yeah. mastery and and then it's so funny because I just saw Chick Corea kind of like they're not facing each other, of course, the, the way they're set up. If you've ever seen how they're set up, but like Chick Corea kind of looks looked over at him slowly at one point and kind of smiled. But it was like it could have been for anything they just played. It's hilarious. Yeah, totally. But it's just totally. so like there's never any and and you can see some of these different other live versions and hear them going back to even like the I believe they first did it in the early '90s for sure. I mean, at least 20 years they had done this, and they would do Spain a lot on these shows, and they are so different. Like, this is not an arrangement. This is like, they are really free, free, and so this is like two kind of, not older dudes, but older when you compare it to how they were doing, first working together, you know? And, yeah, and yeah. just like the ascendancy of their, you know, ability to fit into this duo situation in, in such a cool way, it's, it's, it's really stunning and inspiring. Hence the name. Super inspired. Yeah. All right. What's up next, Peter? You have another one. I have another one. We were going to go back and forth, but we kind of, that's okay. You know, it's all good. Um, Okay. So this one is um, the meters. Ever heard of them? I love them. I have. Yeah. That is something. So this one, we don't have to, this will be good because we're we're starting to get, get, get get into some serious time here, folks. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, This one is just about like, I get so inspired to hear a groove that is so well laid out, sounds so funky, F-O-N-K-Y, and just makes you want to dance, just puts a smile on your face. It's just, it's, it's kind of one of those everything's going to be all right type of grooves. So. Let's hit it. Let's all hit right. it. This is Just Kiss My Baby from the album Rejuvenation by The Meters. You know what year this was? I'm I mean, guessing like early 50s. <laughs> right. Late 90s. 70. I know I was alive and I was in a diaper, so there you go. Uh, just Kiss My Baby. People do be three thou as our devil on the organ. Uh. I feel like a king Yeah Yeah Cause I just kissed my baby I mean this is just like And burning don't mean a thing to me No Cause I just kissed my baby Okay 
Yeah, so I mean, it's just like, I, I think this is kind of the epitome if, if we, I mean, there's no need to break it down on a technical level, but I'll just say like syncopated funk. How can it be so precise and just swampy and sloppy at all at the same time? Man? I don't I don't even, it's, it's I don't their, understand. It's their gift to the world, the meters. It's really New Orleans gift to the world, isn't it? It's a functioning city I with a bunch of cool stuff going on, buses running. Yeah. And you're like, you get down there and you're like, this is, but everybody's so loose. How does it work? <laughs> it works. It right. works really well, as a matter of fact. And it's, uh, it's a brilliant thing. So that's, yeah. that's very cool. That, I'm that's, you know what? That. I think, I think you hit on it there. Like that's the inspire. That's what inspires me so much about this is that it can be so dysfunctional and highly functional at the same time. It gives it's you crazy. hope in humanity. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's like there are these precision chemical engineers at the same time. They're, they're just like throwing all the chemicals together and say, let's smoke it all up at the same time. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a beautiful <laughs> little, little snapshot of humanity there. So. Well, Thank we're, gonna, you, we're actually gonna the meters. We're gonna we're gonna go out here on a um, kind music, of a music vibe. from an, music from another dysfunctional place. Another <laughs> another place that is has a lot of loose parts to it, but also can function at a very high level, especially musically, and especially uh, here with this arrangement. That's what's really inspiring to me. The performance yeah. is incredible. Yeah, but to me, yeah. the way this composition and arrangement unfolds. Over three minutes and 34 seconds. This is uh, Antonio Carlos Jobim and Elise Regina with Aguas de Marco. And I'm sure most of our listeners have heard this. But if you haven't, get ready to have your mind blown. Peter, we're going to go out on this. I think we can go out on the whole thing here. Okay. And just listen to how the composition unfolds. It sounds like it's the same thing over and over again. But each time there's a little subtle change in either the bass line or the harmony of the extensions, especially in the orchestration, things are happening. The melody, it's it's essentially just a list song. Mm. Like, uh, you know, yeah. if I yeah. were a bell or yeah, any number things of things I love about you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just a big list song. But it is uh, just the the genius of Tom Jobim and how he laid these out. And uh, to me, this is one of my favorite examples of his writing and arranging. Mm. All right. Waters of March. With DeMarco from the album Elise and Tom, uh, Antonio Carlos Jobim and Elise Regina. Nice. Until next You'll time. You'll hear it. You'll hear it. É o fim do caminho É o resto de toco É um pouco sozinho É um caco de vidro É a vida, é o sol É a noite, é a morte É o laço, é o anzol É peroba do cão É o nó da madeira ganga, ganga. É uma tita pereira É madeira de vento a É o um mistério profundo É o queiro não queira É o vento ventando Chuva chovendo é conversa ribeira das águas de março é o fim da canseira é o pé é o chão é a mastradeira passarinho na mão pedra de atiradeira é uma ave no céu é uma ave no chão é um regato é uma fonte é um pedaço de pão é o fundo do poço é o fim do caminho no rosto desgosto é um pouco sozinho é um estresse é um prego é uma É a lenha, é o dia, é o fim da picada, é a garrafa de cana, o estilhaço na estrada. 
é o projeto da casa, é o corpo na cama, é o carro enguiçado, é a lama, é a lama. É um passo, é uma ponte, é um saco, é uma rã, é um resto de mato, na luz da manhã. São as águas de março fechando o verão, é a promessa de vida no teu coração. Ah, 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 ah,